Who are safer drivers, men or women? Well, according to a new survey, 55% of adults feel that women are most responsible for minor fender benders, while 78% blame men for most fatal crashes. Please note that the percentages in these pie graphs do not add up to 100% because the math was done by a woman. For those of you hissing at that joke, it should be noted that that joke was written by a woman. So, now you don't know what the hell to do, do you? No, I'm just kidding. We don't hire women. What's going on? Forget about it. Back at it. Took two weeks this time instead of three. Still hustling. Trying to put some food on the table. You know the drill. Ran into my old neighbors the other day. Lived next door to Cat and I before we bought our house. They were asking me what I was up to. You know, we follow each other on Instagram. But apparently, I don't share like really intimate details of my life on there. Try not to overshare. He asked me if I was still podcasting. And I said, yeah, but it's uh, it's not the podcast I was doing when I was living next to them. He said, well, let me know. I want to check it out. I miss hearing your voice. I'm like, listen, (laughs) you're not going to like this one. Now, they're heavily spiritual and they preach Christianity every chance they get. And I said, this is a it's an adult show. I use adult language. I don't promote the show on Instagram because I don't want my girls to listen to it. And he's like, no, no, no. I want to check it out. I said, all right, I'll send you a link on Instagram. I'm not sending him a link on Instagram. How many times have I come out against religion on this show? Saying that anyone who believes this stupid story is a rube, you think his feelings aren't going to get hurt? I mean, he probably thinks I'm still talking about, you know, how to make Sunday gravy or bake a cake or whatever gay shit I was talking about back then. No, dude, I'm over here telling people (laughs) we've been lied to all our lives. Life is not a bowl of cherries. It's a bowl of horse shit with two spoons and a kick to the nuts every 10 days. My life is a foodie. Fuck that. This is the major leagues. Ah, poor Boris Johnson. Prime Minister Johnson just got a spanking by his own party. They had a confidence vote in his conservative party that would determine whether he's going to stay on as prime minister or be replaced. Well, he survived it. But they say now his career is kind of circling the bowl. Remember Margaret Thatcher? She and Reagan were like BFFs. I loved her. I know she was hated by a lot of people in the UK, but they always find a reason to hate their prime minister, just like we hate our president. right? Tony Blair, he was another one I liked. But I have not really liked any of them since. And I certainly don't think Johnson comes close to comparing to either of them. He looks and acts like a joke. You can't tell your country to lock it up during a pandemic, suffer through it, make sacrifices. Meanwhile, you're throwing huge parties on Downing Street. 
You expect that people aren't going to say anything? I mean, come on, don't be an idiot. Long gone are the days of Churchill. We are never going to see the likes of him again. Anywhere. Not here. Not there. We've got a shitty president problem. And so do they. So, hey, I got a lot on my list here. My bullet points went through the roof. Before I get into anything today, I want to ask you all to send some positive vibes or prayers or whatever spiritual thing that you believe in. Send them to my buddy Eric and his family. Eric, of course, podcasting legend, the Beer Report, Throwing Wrenches, founder of the Beer Safari podcasting group. His daughter, uh, a bright and shining star, is uh, entering a tough battle with cancer. They found a, a tumor on her brain, uh, did a procedure, ran tests, and sure enough, here we go again. Fucking cancer, man. Never takes a vacation, but the worst thing is that it always picks on innocent people, the good people of the world. And it breaks my heart. Charles Manson lived to be 83, spent the overwhelming majority of his life in prison, never got cancer. Hitler never got cancer. Stalin, cancer-free. John Gotti, single example I can pull from recent memory of a piece-of-shit human being who contracted cancer. The rest run free. And now Eric and his wonderful family have to go through this bullshit, and it's not fair. And I honestly, I don't know what to say. I just wanted to ask all of you to say a prayer or take a moment to send some positive vibes to his family and to protect his, uh, his sweet daughter. There's no parent should have to watch their kid fight this fucked up disease. The cancer can seriously lick my balls. I don't hate much. I don't have room in my heart for hatred, but I really hate that asshole disease. I got to tell you, you don't want to watch someone you love suffer through this shit. It hurts. It hurts a lot. You want to know what heartache feels like? Trust me, you don't. Okay, sorry about that. Just uh, needed to get the serious stuff out of the way. It's hard. It's hard to, you know, make stupid dick jokes when you got shit like that going on to someone who you love, someone important, your circle of friends, your family. So there's that. Inane is now available on TuneIn if you use the TuneIn app. You can also stream via the TuneIn player from the website, inane.philnagash.com. There's more than one way to skin a cat, and I'm looking at all of them. So the debate got hot and heavy after that school shooting in Texas. We all expected that every time, you know, we get the same arguments. People want the government to do something. You want to trust the government with this? They can hardly wipe their own asses. You get the left blaming the right, the right's blaming the left. Lots of politicizing, of course. Just exhausting. But what are we supposed to do? You had 27 mass shootings in the U.S. It wasn't even the end of May yet. And then my argument, imposing background checks in states that don't have them, then also working on the mental health aspect of things, people didn't seem to like that one either. Every country has its fair share of mentally ill people, and we don't see it happening there. Paul Stanley of KISS said that on Twitter. 
I don't know if that stat is true or not, but let's just say it is. How easy is it to get guns in those countries? And before you even answer that question, think about this. How do most of these mass shootings normally end? With the shooter trapped or pinned down in a firefight, and he ends up taking his own life. Does that sound like a sane person to you? You can argue my point all you like. I still think it comes down to us being angry, mean, and generally fucked in the head. You don't see this shit going down all the time in other countries because in a lot of other countries, people aren't as pent up with rage and inhumanity like we are here. Face it, we suck. We have way too many people here who are a taco shy of a combo platter. All right? And you know that. Also, and this might give you some pause, this is coming from the New York Times, who Trump openly hated. Their report, two weeks ago, reported that while he was in office, he wanted to do something about this gun problem we're having, but was held back by his staff. I'm going to share some of this with you. Unbeknownst to the public, Mr. Trump again pushed inside the White House for significant new gun control measures more than a year later, after a pair of gruesome shooting sprees that unfolded over 13 hours. Those discussions have not previously been reported. On August 3rd, 2019, a far-right gunman killed 23 people at a Walmart store in El Paso. Early the next morning, a man shot and killed nine people outside a bar in Dayton, Ohio. Both assailants used semi-automatic rifles. At the White House the next day, Mr. Trump was so shaken by the weekend's violence that he questioned aides about a specific potential solution and made clear he wanted to take action, according to three people present during the conversation. What are we going to do about assault rifles, Mr. Trump asked. Not a damn thing, Mick Mulvaney, his acting chief of staff, replied. Why not, Trump demanded. Because, Mr. Mulvaney told him, you would lose. The president is sitting there telling his staff he wants to do something about assault rifles, but he can't because his party relies on the Second Amendment stance and the lobbyists who support the party. So any of you who think Trump didn't want to do the right thing, take notice, okay? I'm sure he's not alone in that party. But they had their hands tied. We had the Brady Bill went into effect after President Reagan got shot. Since when did the NRA get so fucking strong? It's frightening. <laughs> and the article that came out, a Texas Department of Public Safety official said responding officers were cautious as they entered Robb Elementary School because they could have been shot. <laughs> and 19 kids and two teachers were murdered. All right. This kid, this 18-year-old kid, he entered the school with a rifle, right? He just crashed a car near campus. Sits in there for an hour before officers finally breached the classroom and, and shot the kid. And reporters were demanding, you know, some answers. There was a girl that was in the room. She bled out for an hour after she was shot. She died at the hospital. They didn't know if the hour may have saved her life. The Uvalde Police Department, you'll be unsurprised but infuriated to know, has a SWAT team whose sole apparent purpose is to pose menacingly armed with military rifles, body armor, and camouflage for photos on their Facebook page 
on which they brag about their training. God damn. It seems to me that, uh, you know, a police force is going to have a hard time, you know, proving their worth after shit like this. They want to pose with their weapons and look, you know, like a bunch of badasses menacing to the public. But the minute shit goes down, they run for cover. They're good at shooting people who don't pose an actual threat. But the minute they face someone who has an assault weapon equal to theirs, they cower with their tails between their legs. It's unbelievable. You try this shit in New York City, see how it goes. One of the moms, she heard about the shooting. She drove 40 miles to the elementary school. She gets there, she said police were doing nothing. They were just standing outside the fence. They weren't going in there. They weren't running anywhere. She was waiting outside for his children. She said she was one of the numerous parents who began encouraging first politely and then with more urgency police and other law enforcement to enter the school sooner. After a few minutes, she said U.S. Marshals put her in handcuffs, telling her she was being arrested for intervening in an active investigation. Investigating what? You weren't doing anything. Our deputy marshals maintain order and peace in the midst of the grief-stricken community that was gathering around the school. The U.S. Marshals Service said that. She said the scene was frantic. She saw a father tackled and thrown to the ground by police, and a third one was pepper sprayed. They took the cuffs off her. She ran in the school and went and got her own kids. <laughs> I remember during the L.A. riots, after the Rodney King verdict, you know, the, that hearing, there were these recordings from police radio where cops were being asked to go break shit up at Florence and Normandy. That's where most of the, the nasty shit happened. And cops were responding, I am not going to Florence and Normandy at this time. It's complete cowardice. But they'll choke a black man out on the street until he's no longer breathing. <laughs> My gosh. Yeah, Ray Liotta passed away two weeks ago. That sucked to hear. Is it kind of funny how one role can just kind of make you? He played Henry Hill in Goodfellas, right? So that's what people remembered him for. You forget, he played Shoeless Joe Jackson in Field of Dreams. Goodfellas was great. I'll never forget going to the theater with Chuck. We watched that film. I think it was like 1990, something like that. We could not stop talking about it for days. It was the perfect movie. The way it was narrated, the way it was edited, the writing, everything. It was gritty. Became the cornerstone for The Sopranos 10 years later. I said 27 people from that movie ended up on The Sopranos. They literally cherry-picked actors from that lineup to become part of The Sopranos. Lorraine Bracco was Dr. Melfi. Frank Vincent was Phil Leotardo. Michael Imperioli was Christopher Moltisante. Tony Sirico was Polly Walnuts. Yet Tony Lip. Vincent Pastor, Big Pussy. I mean, the list goes on. There was Jimmy and Tommy and me. And there was Anthony Stabile. How you doing? Frankie Carbone. And then there was Mo Black's brother, Fat Andy. And his guys, Frankie the Wop. Freddie No Nose. And then there was Pete the Killer, who was Sally Balls' brother. And you had Nicky Eyes. What's up, guy? And Mikey Franchese. And Jimmy Two Times, who got that nickname because he said everything twice, like... I'm gonna go get the papers, get the papers. For us, to live any other way was nuts. 
to us, those goody-good people who work shitty jobs for bum paychecks and took the subway to work every day, worried about their bills, were dead. And they were suckers. They had no balls. If we wanted something, we just took it. If anyone complained twice, they got hit so bad, believe me, they never complained again. It was just all routine, and you didn't even think about it. Shit, I could talk about this film all day. We were so upset when Scorsese didn't win Best Director or Picture. (laughs) Pesci won for Best Supporting Actor, right? We knew he was going to get that. But we wanted it to take home the big prize. Of course, it's up against Dances with Wolves. You know, nothing's going to beat that. Did you know that The Godfather Part 3 was also nominated for Best Picture that year? Can you believe both of those movies came out the same year? I even went and bought the book that the movie was based on, Wise Guy by Nick Pileggi. You want to read some horrifying shit about how the mob operated back then. Read that crap. Hollywood likes to glamorize this stuff. But these people were psychotic motherfuckers. They'd kill someone for the thrill of it. Just a complete lack of human decency on these people. Never civilians, though. Somehow, they had these rules. <laughs> you can only kill a rival gang member. And even then, if the guy wasn't, wasn't a made guy, they usually would turn the other cheek. And Pesci's character was based on Tommy Simone, who in real life was a fucking assassin. I mean, this guy was a total hothead, no question. Murdered a lot of people. You said the wrong thing to him, you were dead. And you had no way of knowing what the wrong thing was, so it was best not to say anything. He ended up disappearing in 79. They believe he was taken out as a revenge for two unsanctioned murders of John Gotti's men. <laughs> You're a big cop. You're really funny. You're really funny. What do you mean I'm funny? It's funny, you know. It's a good story. It's funny. You're a funny guy. What do you mean? You mean the way I talk? What? It's just, you know, you, it's, you're just funny. It's, you know, the way you tell the story and everything. Funny how? I mean, what's funny about it? Tommy, no, you got it all wrong. He's... Oh, oh, Anthony. He's a big boy. He knows what he said. What'd you say? You're right. Funny how? What? Just, you know, you're, you're funny. <laughs> you mean, so? man, let me understand this, because I, you know, maybe it's me. I'm a little fucked up, maybe. But I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown. I amuse you. I make you laugh. I'm here to fucking amuse you. What do you mean funny? Funny how? How am I funny? I'm not just... You know how you tell a story? What? No, no, I don't know. You said it. How do I know? You said I'm funny. How the fuck am I funny? What the fuck is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's funny. Get the fuck out of here, Tommy. <laughs> you motherfucker. I almost had him. I almost had him. Stuttering, yeah, stuttering prick yet. Frankie, was he shaking? I wonder about you sometimes, Henry. You may fold under questioning. So I think the way the story went, Henry Hill claimed that the week after Christmas, he and Jimmy Burke had gone to Florida to straighten out a, a, a drug deal gone bad. And D. Simone had remained behind in New York, having been told sometime in late December or early January that he was going to be a made guy, just like in the movie. And then Peter Vario, the Don's son, and Bruno Facciolo took him to an unknown location where he was clipped. I have another book, The Mafia Cookbook, written by this guy who was friends with a lot of these guys. He'd cook for them, 
because he was a really good cook. Joe Dogsy and Uzi never admitted to anything that he did for the crew outside of cooking for them. But he told one story in the book where he had something or he didn't like you owed him money. Oh, no, that's what it was. Uh, Joe Dogs had $22,000 of Simone's money, but the place was getting raided, so he left and left the money there. And so Tommy was his mentor, his friend. He brought him in, I don't know. But uh, he didn't like this. He wanted his money back. And he just started kicking the shit out of him. A couple of these other guys joined in. And they tuned him up pretty good. And they just expected him to forget about it and continue to cook meals for them. Fuck that. He turned state's evidence against all these guys. Individual trials. I think it lasted close to 12 years. But he ended up putting them all away. There's great recipes in that book, though. That scene where Pesci, you know, nearly kills the guy who owns the restaurant. So the guy goes to Polly for protection. It's the worst move you can make. You ask the mob for a favor and you own a business, say goodbye to the business. Now the guy's got Paulie as a partner. Any problems, he goes to Paulie. Trouble with the bill, he can go to Paulie. Trouble with the cops, deliveries, Tommy, he can call Paulie. But now the guy's got to come up with Paulie's money every week, no matter what. Business bad? Fuck you, pay me. Oh, you had a fire? Fuck you, pay me. Place got hit by lightning, huh? Fuck you, pay me. Also, Paulie could do anything, especially run up bills on the joint's credit. And why not? Nobody's gonna pay for it anyway. And as soon as the deliveries are made in the front door, you move the stuff out the back and sell it at a discount. You take a $200 case of booze and you sell it for $100. Doesn't matter, it's all profit. And then finally, there's nothing left. Fucking shame. And you can't borrow another buck from the bank or buy another case of booze. You bust the joint out. You light a match. Any help reaching anything? You look like you're decorating a Christmas tree, you fucking prick. You don't know what you're I got to get off the subject. I'll talk about Italian mob stuff all day. <laughs> uh, you know what? Fuck it. I went and got the book. I'm going to. I want to at least share a recipe from the book with you. Let me find something that's not not difficult, though. He did. Um, he managed to cook some French food in here. I guess these mob fuckers were soupy, super picky eaters, and if you told them you were going to cook Francese, they'd have killed you. <laughs> French food. But if you didn't tell them and just served it to them, then you know he told them later after they already told you that they loved it, and it was fine. They didn't care. Okay, here's one. Yeah, chicken cacciatore northern style. Two to three tablespoons of olive oil. One two and a half pound chicken cut into pieces. A large onion chopped into quarter inch pieces. Three cloves of garlic crushed and chopped fine. Two shallots chopped fine. Half cup of dry white wine. One and a half teaspoons of red wine vinegar. Salt and pepper to taste. Two basil leaves. Heat olive oil in a large frying pan. Saute chicken over medium heat, turning occasionally for approximately 20 minutes. While the chicken browns, add the onion, garlic, and shallots to the pan. After 20 minutes or so, add wine, vinegar, salt, pepper, and basil to mixture. Cover tightly, allow to simmer for another 30 minutes. Serve with pasta, rice, or vegetable. Yeah. You notice it says northern style, right? No tomatoes in this dish. Chicken cacciatore famously has tomatoes in it. A northerner's, lots of white dishes. Polenta, arborio, risotto, cream sauces. A heavy French influence. 
Asabuco, Panacota, shit like that. All right. Oh, wait, that's another thing. <laughs> These bullet points. And I'm like, uh, what was I going to say about this? <laughs> I should have practiced more. I want to talk about the drought situation in California. So LA County is having kind of a rough go of it. All right, we're having such a water shortage in California. Cities in LA County have had water restrictions imposed on them. So now you can only water your lawn twice a week and it has to be done within specific hours. You break the rules and you get a warning first then they start paying you start paying fines. And they get up to like 1200 bucks. And I wonder how long before the same thing's going to happen here in Orange County. I mean the state's becoming more unbearable by the month. If you move to Northern California where they actually get rain, I bet it's a different story up there. Like we have a Mediterranean climate here, similar to Greece or southern Spain, Morocco, Sicily. If you look at Southern California on a world map and draw a straight line to Europe, you see where we're looking at. It adds up. It gets pretty harsh. I saw Top Gun Maverick. My God, what a great movie. Say what you will about Tom Cruise and all that Scientology shit and the couch jumping. The dude just knows how to make movies. He's a damned blockbuster machine. If he's producing a movie, especially if he's starring in it, it's going to make a shit ton of money. You may as well just back the Brinks truck up to your studio. It's going to come in so fast. They made that film for $170 million. As of today, as I'm recording this, it's approaching $600 million worldwide in climate. I don't use this word very often to describe a movie, but this one was sensational. Honestly, one of the greater movies I've seen in quite a while. And that kind of speaks volumes to the level of horseshit that's going on in Hollywood right now. There just haven't been too many movies that I've wanted to own on Blu-ray to rewatch in the last couple of years. No movie that I'd want to rewatch a bunch of times. This is one of those movies. Movie's been in the can for over two years. But once COVID hit and theaters started shutting down, the studio was in a hurry to get their money back from the movie. Cruz said, no, no streaming. We're going to wait until the theaters open back up. Huge gamble. It's paying off. He wanted it watched on the big screen, preferably IMAX, which is how I saw it. Hell, they used these Sony Venice 6K cameras to shoot this thing. They had them mounted in the actual planes, had the actors work in the cameras, in the F-18s, pulling actual Gs. And you can see what it does to all of them. It's real action. And the story is excellent. It pays homage to the original in a lot of places. Just great. I'm not going to give anything away. If you enjoyed the first one, you'll absolutely love this one. And now it looks like Cruz is just going to be on an action movie run. His next movie is The Last Mission Impossible. But that's in two parts, so... Next summer, part one, and then the summer after that, part two. Then who knows if they'll do another Top Gun. Something tells me the money is going to be too great to pass on it. I mean, this movie is undoubtedly going to be the highest grossing film of this year. And we're just starting the summer season. Now, here's the thing, too. Like Netflix, they're not making movies that I enjoy that much anymore, that anyone is enjoying. And they know it. They're slowing down. Power of the Dog. It was okay. That black and white Oscar bait movie that they did the year before that. Can't even remember the name of that one. I couldn't get through that. I, just, I stopped watching. It was so boring. 
Mank, that was what it was called, I think. The last movie they made I absolutely loved was The Irishman. Don't look up from last year. It was okay, but yeah, it didn't stay with me. I didn't feel the need to go back and rewatch that. That's what I mean. And it could be me. You know, I'm just not into the superhero shit. I know my tastes have changed. Anyway, Top Gun. If you think you might want to see it, go to the theater. It's incredible. And you know, you have to suspend disbelief with Cruz. The person he is when he's not on camera is a narcissistic nutjob Scientologist who believes we're all destined to live in outer space after we die. It's bat shit. If you've never seen the documentary Going Clear, see it. You want to get the inside scoop on Cruz, that silly cult he belongs to. Did you know his relationship with Steven Spielberg, which was pretty strong at the time, they were doing War of the Worlds, Cruz sunk that battleship. (laughs) I mean, uh, their friendship went down in flames. He did three things straight away that made Spielberg take his number out of his Rolodex. Honestly, he was worried that Cruz was going to kill the movie. First off, I guess sometime during production on the movie, someone had approached Spielberg about getting a reference for a psychiatrist, and Spielberg passed along the name of this doctor he said was maybe one of the best in Hollywood, had helped a member of his family. So Cruz overhears this conversation. Shortly after that, a large mass of Scientologists were outside the psychiatrist's office protesting. They don't believe in psychiatry or taking drugs to make you feel better if you're suffering from mental illness or anything. Also, then the couch jumping incident on Oprah, that didn't help. Isn't it ironic, though, L. Ron Hubbard was a total fucking psychopath who definitely needed medical intervention. Don't get me started on Cruz. (laughs) You want to talk about someone with multiple personality disorder. He can be the light and happy, jovial Tom one minute, turn into a seething, psychopathic narcissist the next. He was in the middle of promoting War of the Worlds, and he goes on Matt Lauer's show and starts going off on psychiatry and how Brooke Shields shouldn't be taking antidepressants and how Lauer doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. Cruz apparently knows the history of psychiatry. And the whole time he's talking about this crazy shit, you see the poster for War of the Worlds behind him. He's there to promote a movie and he goes off on this idiotic tirade. I've never agreed with psychiatry, ever. Uh... Before I was a Scientologist, I never agreed with psychiatry. And then when I started studying the history of psychiatry, I started realizing more and more why I didn't agree with psychiatry. And as far as the Brooke Shields thing is, look, you got to understand, I really care about Brooke Shields. I I think here's a a wonderful and talented woman. And uh, I want to see her do well. And I know that uh, psychiatry is is a pseudoscience. But But Tom, if she said that this particular thing helped her feel better, whether it was the antidepressant or going to a counselor or a psychiatrist. Isn't that enough? You have to understand this. Here we are today where I talk out against drugs and psychiatric abuses of electric shocking people, Mm -hmm. okay, against their will, of drugging children with them not knowing. Oh, let me stop you there, you ignorant cocksucker. First of all, people don't get shock therapy against their will. It's called ECT now, by the way. And it works wonders if you're in the throes of deep depression. 
electroconvulsive therapy. It's also very hard to get it approved by your insurance company because it's a big ordeal. It involves an anesthesiologist. It takes anywhere from six to 10 of these treatments for it to completely work, but it works. Trust me. Cruz obviously doesn't know psychiatry and mental health treatments any more than he knows what his asshole looks like. I think maybe he watched One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, you know, turned the TV off, considered himself an expert. Also, trust me, if kids have to go on Ritalin or antidepressants, it's only because the parents have tried everything else. And those work too, by the way. The kids feel better. They definitely know they're taking these drugs. Right? Here's the thing about the brain. It's such a complex organ that in spite of over 100 years of study, there's still more that they don't know about it than they actually do know. I've been told this by psychiatrists, neurologists, neurosurgeons, several specialists. I've asked every possible question I could imagine asking. There were answers to some, no answers to others. It's frustrating, but that's how it is. These are people very well educated, smart, smarter than you, Cruz, and unlike you, not afraid to tell you when they don't have an answer. Do you know what Adderall is? Do you know Ritalin? Do you know now that Ritalin is a street drug? Do you understand that? The difference is, no, this was no, not Matt, against Matt, will, though. Matt, Matt, this wasn't Matt, against your question. Matt, I'm asking you a question. I understand there's abuse of all of these things. No, you see, here's the problem. You don't know the history of psychiatry. I do. Aren't there examples, and might not Brooke Shields be an example of someone who benefited from one of those drugs? All it does is mask the problem, Matt. And if you understand the history of it, it masks the problem. That's what it does. That's all it does. You're not getting to the reason why. There is no such thing as a chemical imbalance. Wrong again, Maverick. There absolutely is something known as chemical imbalance. And that's what these drugs are made for, to balance you out. Depression happens deep in the frontal cortex, your brain. Sometimes so deep it takes a lot of work to reach it. These drugs aren't masking a problem. They just get the balance right. And while that's happening, we have therapy to help you deal with whatever drove you to depression in the first place. Help clear out your baggage. And while that's happening, yeah, you should take vitamins and exercise and do things that make you feel happier. But if that chemical imbalance is here to stay, you need to be on drugs. Or you're going to be in deep depression that you may never return from. Clinical depression is an actual disease. How many times have I said that? It's a disease just like cancer is a disease. What a load of horse shit coming out of this guy's mouth. I'd never heard this full interview before. I decided to look it up for the show. (laughs) What an asshole. What happens to the antidepressant, all it does is mask the problem. There's ways of vitamins and through exercise and various things. I'm not saying that that isn't real. That's not what I'm saying. That's an alteration of what, what I'm saying. I'm saying that drugs aren't the answer. That these, these drugs are very dangerous. They're mind-altering drugs. And there are ways of doing it without that so that we don't end up in a brave new world. The thing that I'm saying about Brooke is that there's misinformation. Okay? And she doesn't understand the history of psychiatry. She, she doesn't understand in the same way that you don't understand it, man. Yeah, let's just take some vitamins. Go jogging. The depression will simply just go away then. That'll work. This is the same mindset that these people have with cancer. They think vitamins and supplements are going to kill cancer. Fucking yo-hos. You have three options, okay? You can refuse treatment, 
and let the cancer just eat you alive and kill you. Or you can go through chemo treatments, or you can go to one of these new age treatment centers in Mexico, because they're sure as fuck not legal here. Go get coffee enemas, aromatherapy sessions, massage treatments, eat expensive fungi from China, then eventually die anyway. The first and third options are surely going to lead you to dying from cancer. At least chemotherapy gives you a fighting chance. I, just, I hate when people smell this bullshit, especially when they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Listen, while Kat was undergoing chemo, a friend of one of her friends was also diagnosed. Except this chick didn't believe in chemotherapy. So she went to one of these new age clinics in Mexico. Six to eight weeks, I think. Cost her a fortune. Cancer got worse. She was in so much pain, she finally relented. Went for chemo, but it was too late. She was gone within a year. And it was horrible. Do, do you examine the possibility that these things do work for some people? That yes, there are abuses. And yes, maybe they've gone too far in certain areas. Maybe there are too many kids on Ritalin. Maybe electric shock is... kids on Ritalin. Matt. I'm just saying. But, but aren't there Matt. examples where it Matt. works? Matt, Matt, you, you don't even... You're glib. You don't even know what Ritalin is. If you start talking about chemical imbalance, you have to evaluate and read the research papers on how they came up with these theories, Matt. Okay? That's what I've done. And you go and you say, where's the, where's the medical test? Where's the blood test that says how much Ritalin you're supposed to get? Oh, I just can't with this dipshit. I'm out. I'm out. Does he have any idea the amount of research that's gone into mental illness for the better part of the past 60 years? I don't think he does, or he wouldn't be talking like this. Shock therapy. Dude, that was the 70s. Read up on this crap or talk to some people who actually know what they're talking about. Professionals. It's no wonder Spielberg dropped him like a hot rock. He can sure act his ass off, though. <laughs> Make a good movie. <laughs> Drives a fucking motorcycle without a helmet. I ride my bike without a helmet. You should hear people screaming at me on the trail. I'm going maybe 15 miles an hour. Where's your helmet? Cruz is doing 80 on this crotch rocket. No helmet. People think he's cool. Oh, I'm looking at these show notes. It says EV6. I think Chuck wanted me to go off in the Kia EV6, which is this electric car he wants to buy, realizes that Kia is doing some devilish shit in regards to making the car available. When they do, dealers are selling the car for like 20% over sticker or more because they know the demand is so high. Kind of the same thing that's going on with oil. So I was going to cover this extensively, do the research, because you know, I do actually look things up, put some work into the show. I'm going to share some of our conversation on the on the matter, but yeah, I stopped myself. You know, I remember every time I talk about cars on this show, I realize just how little I know about cars. This is why I leave it up to Eric throwing wrenches. He and Daryl would cover this story far better than I could and give more insight on it as well. The thing I do know is this. Eric and Daryl will more than likely piss all over Kia and electric cars in general. I know they're not huge fans of these things, by and large. Now, there's something brewing in the water when it comes to these electric vehicles. And it's going to rear its ugly head at some point. I'm hearing all kinds of talk from people who actually do know what they're talking about when it comes to cars. They're telling me that these Teslas you're seeing on the road, not very well constructed, made with cheap parts. And we're going to see the graveyards filled with them in the future. You know, Tesla slicing its staff. Musk is telling us work from home employees, get back to the office or resign. Company's about to show some cracks, man. I don't like paying six bucks a gallon for gas. So the idea of an electric car, yeah, sounds appealing. 
But when you start crunching the numbers, what it costs for these things and, you know, what the, what the car costs and, and the insurance and how expensive they are to fix when they break, I don't know. Something's not adding up. If you want the God's honest truth about what's going on with electric cars, throw in wrenches.com, all right? Listen to those boys. No bullshit podcast about cars. It's entertaining, informative. I've talked about it before. Beer's repeating. Give them a listen. I know when to stay in my lane. In this case, it's the slow one. <laughs> right? Yeah. I don't know what brought this up either. I was at, I was shopping at Trader Joe's not too long ago. And I saw a cubed pancetta. Now, I hadn't made anything with pancetta in a while. Had no idea what I was going to do with it. But I bought it. And when I got home, I already figured it out. I was going to make carbonara. Right? Fly the pancetta up nice and crispy. Cook some pasta. Add a scrambled egg, some cheese, you know, cook it through, carbonara. So I'm eating this, and I realize this is breakfast pasta. I wonder if people eat this for breakfast in Italy. Because it makes sense. It's basically bacon and eggs with pasta. I'm sure it wouldn't fly in Italy. Now, maybe for lunch, but not for breakfast. That's how Americans think, right? Grand Slam breakfast. Also, for the record, traditionally, if you, you want to use guanciale for a carbonara. But it's incredibly hard to find guanciale. And when you do, it's nose-bleedingly expensive. So pancetta works just fine. Just don't use bacon. All right, that's fucking sacrilege. I actually got my hands on a pork gel once. Dry cured it for somewhere between three and four weeks. Fucking epic. The pork cheek is actually fattier than the belly. So it's like pancetta with a thick rind of lardo. Seriously, if, if you've never had thinly sliced lardo... Dry cured pork fat melts in your mouth. It's incredible. Lindy and Grundy. That was the name of the place. It was this high-end meat market on Fairfax. Down the way from Animal, Cantor's Deli. I was batting my brain trying to remember the name of that place. These girls were the shit. There was this couple who were really passionate about meat. They spent all their money, all the money they had, spent their family's money to open this place. They bought high-end pork and beef. It was kind of local. Heritage stuff, grass-fed, you name it. They would smoke their own stuff and everything. So I was given 100 bucks on my birthday to spend there. Amelia was her name. She gave me a full tour of the entire place. Even the freezer, where they had unbutchered whole pigs and cows hanging up. So I bought a bunch of stuff that I couldn't find elsewhere. I got a tongue, uh, pork jowl, shortbreads. Some cleaned out casings for sausage. I think she gave me those for free. Got some pork fat, brain, liver. I can't remember everything. Anyway, we had reservations for Animal. You know, John and Vinny's place. She said she'd fill up the cooler and then deliver it to us at the restaurant. I didn't want her going through that kind of trouble for me, but she was so sweet, you know, she insisted. So she brought, us to, <laughs> she brought it to us right in the middle of the dining room in a styrofoam cooler with some ice packs. It was, a, it was an amazing experience. I'm in the middle of eating an animal. I'm sitting across the table from Michael Vitaggio. John and Vinny are hanging out with him. And I've got a cooler full of nasty bits at my feet. And it was maybe one of, a highlight of my food experiences in L.A. Next to meeting Thomas Keller. But they closed down the meat shop eventually, which sucked. I think they broke up. One of them moved to New York or something. It broke my heart because... It was kind of a cool place to go into. It's right next to Commissary Coffee. It's another great spot to visit. Don and uh, Debbie turned me on to that. 
And Fairfax is where it's at. If you ever visit LA, just walk up and down Fairfax. Tons of great things going on that street. It's right around the corner from the original farmer's market. It's a cool skateboard shop on Fairfax. Can't remember the name of that. Probably not even there anymore. I haven't been there in years. Here's what I don't get about Elon Musk. One minute, he wants to buy Twitter for far more money than it's worth. And then when that doesn't work out, a month later, he's talking about cutting jobs at Tesla by like 10%. Worried about the economy. I don't. I, th- I think he's not worried about the economy. He's worried about Tesla. People are starting to talk. He's trolling Biden on Twitter. I think the guy's either emotionally challenged or so full of his own bullshit and maybe he just feels he's invincible. Like Phil Mickelson. You remember all that horse shit going down with Phil Mickelson and the Saudi-backed LIV Golf League? Well, it became official this week. Phil was the last to sign. Now, Phil thinks he's doing the right thing. <laughs> think again, fuckstick. It might be the right thing for who? For you, maybe. PGA has its rules, and you're just going to break them. I'm not angry about this. You know, golf Twitter is going crazy. But look who's signing up for this crap. Look at the names. Sergio Garcia, Richard Bland, Ian Poulter, Martin Kamer, Lee Westwood, Kevin Na, Graham McDowell, Mickelson, Dustin Johnson. When was the last time any of these turds outside of Mickelson won anything? Mickelson's victory at the PGA Championship last year was a fluke. You look at the names on this field, it's a who's who of missed cuts. And even if they made the cut on those tournaments, they were golfing early morning tee times on Sundays. Louis Oosthuizen, and Charles Schwartzel, shocked to see their names on that list. But not when you look at how they've been playing lately. They're guaranteed money on that league. That's why they're doing it. When was the last time you saw any of these has-beens hoisting a trophy? I watched the tournaments. Every one of them, I can tell you. It's been a minute. Fuck it, let them go. The PGA Tour has a major problem, okay? And I don't think this is going to fix it. The Tour has too many restrictions for these players. Doesn't pay nearly enough, especially when you're at the bottom. I mean, they, they paid Dustin Johnson $150 million just to play on the Tour. He's the highest-ranked player to jump to the new series. It's double. It's more than double the total prize money he's earned on tour in his entire career. His entire career doubled. The prize money on offer to last-place finisher at the, the tournament this week, 120000 How much do you win if you come last place in the PGA Tour? Nothing. The, the $4 million check for the winner of this LIV Tour this week, three times the winner's share at this week's PGA Tour event, the Canadian Open. So yeah, money talks, bullshit walks. And there are still sponsored exemptions for the tournaments. There's a major youth movement happening in the PGA. They all know this. They're looking to score as much money as they can while they can. Golf fans can't deny them of that. But we don't have to watch. I don't watch the old guys play either. Champions League? Why would I want to watch that? It's like going to see your favorite childhood band play when they're in their 70s. Can hardly sing. Move around on stage. Yeah, that's fun. I don't want to see Mick Jagger walking around shirtless in a diaper. You ask PGA players what they think of this, and they'll tell you. (laughs) Good riddance. 
They never gave the source. One player said the difference between Mickelson and Tiger was this. Tiger did what was best for the sport. Because of him, purses went up. Tiger put money in their pockets. Mickelson took it out. Phil's a carnival barker. He has been for a long time. He's got financial issues, gambling debt, losses, endorsements. And the rest of those guys are non-dynamic also rounds who know that the best years are behind them. So make the money, save the money. The PGA is going to move on without you. Bryson DeChambeau, cheating Patrick Reed, also rumored to be joining. So long, suckers. Saw something really bizarre the other day. You remember the whole real doll phase, right? There were these real-life-looking sex dolls that these desperate single dudes were buying. You dressed them up and sticking their dicks in them. It's gross, because it's like having sex with a dead person. Well, I guess they're figuring that shit out now. Now we've got Real Doll X, and then this other company, Real Real Botics, which are making real-life sex dolls that have built-in AI and can speak and shit. So now these losers can fuck an actual robot. I saw some video, this guy in the lab showing how the AI reacts to what you're saying. It was freaky. Wasn't there a movie like this not too long ago? Ex Machina or something? The robot was reacting to this dude. Made the guy fall in love with her. Then she tricked him and trapped him in the lab. And she escaped. This shit is brutal, man. It's dystopian. Go find a woman. Any woman. (laughs) I can't imagine where you'd have to be emotionally. Where you think this is okay or not abnormal. Even the real doll thing. I can never wrap my head around that. It's not moving. It's not talking to you. It's staring you in the face. You're pounding away at this thing like a, a side of beef. It's disgusting. Go get a date. It's not that hard. Alright then. Let's cut our losses. End this drivel. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Love you guys. Until next time, my name is Phil. This has been another incredibly stupid episode of A Name. Chandantes.